Hello everyone and welcome to Hash Talk, a podcast exploring the best of blockchain in Asia. I'm your host Sankalp Shangari and this is our open source attempt to bring you the latest news, narrative and interviews with the best minds in blockchain and related technologies. So let's dive right in. Hey guys, hi, welcome everyone. Uh we have another exciting episode of Rising Hashtag podcast and we have a very very special guest today. A veteran of web3 industry, a veteran of the financial markets. Uh he's been here long before most of us have been in web3, uh building uh and and mostly investing, advising and and running his firm uh, Spartan as as most of you would know uh we've got calvin co the co-founder of spartan group uh calvin welcome on the show it's an honor to have you here it's yes, ankup thanks for inviting me and uh sunny excited to share uh whatever i i know excellent fantastic uh calvin um i'm going to deep dive right away cuz both of us are ex bankers we've known each other for a couple of years what made that plunge from the sins of banking to to the sins of crypto i must say yeah that's a good question um so i started my career um in investment banking and uh spent most of my career with goldman sachs uh 18 years in total and uh was running uh goldman's asia research team um by the time i left the firm Uh, and was also a partner there. Um after Goldman I went to a hedge fund called Invest Capital which is a New York based uh, hedge fund that managed about 7 billion dollars while I was there and uh they focused on emerging markets um equity long short. Um so you know obviously after a career on the sell side moving to buy side was you know very exciting for me but by the time I had gotten in gotten to the hedge fund world I guess uh the simple way to describe it is you know i think the uh traditional hedge fund uh business had become very commoditized um and uh many hedge funds were struggling to generate returns um and so i didn't think that it was particularly exciting and we're talking about sort of you know uh low to mid teens returns right um rather than the you know 30% type of returns that you know hedge funds have been known to generate um earlier in the uh hedge fund life cycle so i spent about two, two and a half years at at indes but later decided that um you know the uh returns weren't particularly interesting and um what i uh, set out to do was really to explore the frontiers of finance right i wanted to go where the action was so to speak right and to me that was in early stage tech venture and this was around 2017 um when the uh you know crypto industry was entering a boom and there was a, a big ico wave uh that was happening and um along with my two co-founders Gaspar Melody who were also ex-common investment bankers uh, we started investing and advising in the space and um really sort of saw all of the innovation uh that was happening and uh we jumped we jumped right in and um started working with many of the earliest founders in the space and that was really how we got in amazing i mean and and what what was that really that that pivoting moment 
that led you jump into full-time crypto, leave your uh, successful uh, investment banking career, all, all three of you, that, that, that you saw that, okay, this is the future. This is where excitement is. This is where uh, financial markets are going to go to. What, what did you see? Yeah, good question. So I think we, um, all three of us were doing um, quite a bit of early stage investing ourselves, right? Even before we got into crypto. And these would be typically in, um, you know, tech startups, like Web2 tech startups. As, at the time as well, um, I was of the view that the two most interesting technology developments over the next 20 to 30 years were blockchain, number one, and number two, AI. Right. And to a certain extent, that has sort of proven to be the right view. Uh, so I was looking for deals primarily in those two areas. Um, but what I found with the AI space was that um, there were a lot of established venture funds that were already uh, quite deep in the AI space. And I didn't think that there was um, you know, any comparative advantage you know, for a new player uh, like myself coming into the space. Um, whereas when we looked at crypto, firstly, it was obviously very early in 2017. Secondly, the idea was still, you know, very radical and very difficult for people to understand. And more importantly, many of the traditional players uh, were not investing in the space, right? So we sort of saw the opportunity um, to establish a crypto native um, investment firm as well as advisory firm uh, and to try to bring the kind of you know, Goldman standard, so to speak, right, into the space um, to manage capital professionally, as well as to advise um, these startup founders uh, in a professional manner. Um, and so we, we dove uh, very deep in and we sort of, uh, you know, rolled up our sleeves and studied white papers and really tried to understand the ethos of, of, of crypto. And that belief coupled with, or, or that understanding coupled with our belief that um, crypto would eventually become a fully fledged um, asset class, sort of gave us a conviction to, yeah, to drop everything and, and focus on the space. There are there are not enough advisory firms, and like you said, uh, Goldman-like attitude and Goldman-like professionalism. Uh, what are you doing on on the advisory side, Calvin? And and how are you building that into that professionalism uh, of the trade fire industry? Yeah, so I think, um, first of all, you know, my, my partners sort of spent a number of uh, years in the career in Goldman, right? So, so they understand how um, these uh, uh, private market transactions work. Uh, they understand how M&A works. Um, and so it's with that, you know, that understanding uh, that they operate in the space. Um, and over the last five years that we've been um, provide, providing advice in the space, uh, we have worked with um, some of the leading projects uh, that are uh, almost household names today, right? So we, um, we uh, worked with Origin Protocol very early on uh, in 2017 to help them raise capital. Uh, we worked with the team from Blockstack um to do the first ever sec compliant offering uh, token offering um and then during the bear market of 2018 2019 we helped uh, solana sort of raise one of the earlier rounds that allowed them to continue building through the bear market um, we also 
worked with the founders of Dapper Labs when they were looking to raise capital to start the Flow blockchain. Um, and uh, and at that time, very few people or people were very skeptical that you know Dappers were capable of building their own chain. But we helped them raise one of the earlier rounds to allow them to you know to build a team to to get the chain up and running. Um, and then more recently, we have also worked with uh, the likes of uh, Bybit Exchange um, to create uh, BitDAO, to create and launch BitDAO. Um, and there are many other you know, uh, uh, partners that we've worked with, uh, both on the fundraising side as well as the M&A side. Um, so uh, first of all, we bring a lot of embedded knowledge into the space in terms of how these fundraisers and these M&A transactions should be should be run, um, and there are relatively few people with the same, you know, with the same knowledge, but also has the crypto uh, native hat on to be able to do, you know, what we're doing. Um, and then the second thing is that uh, we work on very few projects, so we're very very selective on the advisory side, and because we are such a small team, uh, our partners get very hands on with um in our clients and typically you know we do no more than four to five deals a year so it's a you know it's a very high touch um professional business and service that we provide amazing so quality over quantity basically uh plus uh decades of experience that, that that's Absolutely. what you bring amazing yep. uh, and 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 obviously you have seen more founders and more deals in Web3 than than most of the people around, uh, and and uh, you 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 you're a master at filtering them like like best of the VCs. What do you believe is the single biggest misalignment between a VC and a founder? I don't necessarily think that um, the interests are misaligned. Um, so when we invest as a VC, you know we typically um, look for a good founder with a good idea, right? And uh, and if we don't believe in the founder, generally we don't invest, right? Yeah. So that trust is very important. Um, and likewise, you know, founders obviously also have the same choice in terms of which VCs they want to work with, right? So they have to believe that we will be good partners and that we will do our part to, you know, help them grow and help them scale, right? So it's it's with that that relationship that we sort of go into each and every one of these deals. Obviously, as a VC, we are trying to invest in the best projects at the best price, right? But on the other side, um, the founders are obviously also trying to work with the best partners and extract the most sort of value for, you know, for the company, right? To to raise sufficient capital to to scale. So in terms of sort of looking for a part, a good partner or the best partner, you know, I think that's generally uh, not a challenge. Uh, where there is obviously a bit of um, negotiation uh, or compromise is, you know, with regards to how the deal terms are structured in terms of both the price as well as, you know, the the vesting schedule, right? And that's where we typically work very closely uh, with the founders to try to come up with um, deal terms that are, you know, that will ensure the project succeeds, right? Um, because it is not to our interest or the team's interest uh, at the end of the day if the project fails, right? So first and foremost, we have to make sure that they are funded sufficiently to succeed, and we need to make sure that you know whether it's the 
um, lockup or the vesting that those are structured in a way that allows the project to grow without um, uh, without any undue public market pressure. And the fact that we are long-term investors and we have funds that you know uh, uh, have investors that are locked up for six, seven, eight years means that these projects have you know sufficient time to to launch and grow and scale, right? They're not under the pressure of, you know, fearing that the tokens would vest over the next one or two years and, and, and that constant selling pressure would, would doom the project. Great. Uh, Calvin, I, I, I find, you know, while talking to founders, a lot of, lot of these founders are bent towards tech and, and in the early stages, obviously sales sometimes is, is ignored or even the thought of a, a sales process is ignored. Do you do you find a lot of uh, tech founders who do not understand the importance of sales or even product market fit, and and how do you bring them to to that understanding? Yeah, I think that was certainly the case. Um, you know, in the early years, and we come across a lot of uh, you know founders that are very technical, um, and they focus a lot about the you know, on the tech, uh, but less on uh, business development, right, uh, or growth. But I think the last couple of years have shown that uh, while the tech itself is important, the business development is as important, if not more important, right? Because you can have the best tech, but if nobody knows about it or nobody is convinced enough to use it, then, you know, the tech is still worthless, yeah. right? Um, so when we engage with founders these days obviously we do our deep dive when it comes to making sure that the tech works and the idea makes sense but at the same time we also spend a lot of time um, diving you know deep into understanding how the founder plans to go to market right and what sort of partnerships you know they would like to um, build and how as a venture fund uh, we can help them you know, on the on the BD and partnership front, um, and we have now invested in, you know, over a hundred DeFi projects and over a hundred gaming projects, where you know our network is pretty wide, um, and not to mention, you know, the additional network that we have through our advisory business as well as now Labs. So that network that we have um, helps us to work with the founders to. Um, you know, to to help them build and scale their business. Yep, yep. How, how big is your team, Calvin, today? Well, the overall Spartan team is about 35 people. Um, on the investment side, um, including uh, the team that handles operations and finance, we are about a dozen people. Amazing. And 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 obviously, that's that's a good enough size uh, to to create strategies for your portfolio companies. Uh, with your partners and and help them in partnerships, BD sales, etc. Um, uh, and 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 Kelvin, just just out of curiosity here again, uh, the founders who are listening today, uh, what what areas uh, are are very interesting to you today, where, uh, and, and they should reach out to you, uh, and and for the next six to twelve months, what what is that you think? Uh, you will be investing in or or is is where web3 is going to be yeah so currently we have um three funds right so we have our 
liquid um, fundamental long short fund that primarily sort of focus on the secondary uh, markets. So these are liquid tokens, um, everything from Bitcoin to Ethereum to everything that trades on exchanges. Uh, and typically within that fund, we follow about four to 500 projects, right? But typically hold about 30 assets within the fund at any given point in time. Um, and then separately, we have um, two other uh, funds, which are both venture funds. So the first venture fund that we have is DeFi focused. So any DeFi related project, as well as any infrastructure that supports the development of DeFi um, goes into that fund. Yeah. And uh, the, the fund size currently is about 150 million, um, but about 70% of the capital has been deployed and the rest will be deployed over the coming um, seven to eight months. Then the latest fund is a fund that's focused on uh, gaming, NFTs, and the metaverse, right? And we launched this fund just over a year ago uh, with about $120 million in assets and roughly 40% of the fund's assets have been deployed and the rest will be deployed over the subsequent uh, one and a half to two years. So those are the areas that we're focusing on at the moment, uh, but we also have plans to launch a third venture fund sometime next year uh, that will cover any new verticals um, as well as have a broader investment mandate. Beautiful and very, very clear. Uh, Kelvin, with all these funds and then the advisory business and the recently launched uh, the studio Spartan Labs, uh, what is the overall vision for the group here? Are we uh, 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 alternate investment uh, asset house? Are we building a a large uh, Web3 investment banking, what is it? Yeah, that's a, a good question. You know, obviously we started a firm uh, in advisory and investments largely because of the background of the fund founders, right? So my yeah. two other founders were investment banking focused and I was sort of on the research and investment side. So those were natural areas of focus. Uh, but obviously as we grow, we have thought about, you know, whether we should get into other areas. Um, but generally we have been quite uh, careful in terms of where we want to go into, largely because we want to be, you know, known for being strong in certain areas rather than be a, a jack of all trades, right? So we don't necessarily think that doing market making, for instance, is in our DNA or sort of being a sell side uh, you know, broker in the space is, you know, is, is natural to us. So we're very careful in terms of where we expand into. I think additional sort of, you know, when we, when we started the advisory business, for instance, we only did fundraising. And then in 2021, we saw M&A opportunities in the space. And because we had the expertise, we went into M&A, right? And uh, we have also sort of started to do some restructuring deals. So those are sort of still in the core areas of competence. Likewise, on the investing side, we started with the liquid hedge fund, uh, but then because of our success in sort of investing in DeFi very early, that gave us the opportunity to launch a DeFi fund. And the same thing happened in gaming, uh, where we were very, very early investors into Web3 gaming and built that expertise and then gave us the opportunity to grow in that area. I think for Labs specifically, um, the reason that we think Labs makes sense is because over the years, um, as we invest and we advise many of our uh, portfolio companies as well as clients 
have asked us to be more involved uh, with them, right? Whether that's uh, co-building a product with them or being a validator on the network if they're sort of a layer one or layer two um, uh, or other areas of cooperation, right? So, um, so that's the thinking behind uh, launching labs, right? To give us uh, the capability to uh, do more and, and, and uh, work more closely with our portfolio companies and, and advisory clients. Yep, yep. So what, what is the next area where you see that, that there is an opportunity or there could be something that, that a firm like Spartan could, could grow into? Well, thought leader, um, I think there are a lot of good uh, founders in the space, um, but the one person that um, I think has over the years sort of, uh, sort of impressed me is uh, Vitalik. Uh, not surprisingly, I think, uh, you know, I've been sort of um, impressed by the way that he has continued to drive the vision for, for Ethereum and continued to um, drive development, right? And, uh, and, and, and the vision that he created with the decentralized network is something that a lot of people sort of believe in. Um, and notwithstanding all the success that Ethereum has had, you know, um, and, and how wealthy he is, you know, he's still uh, probably the most humble person I've, I've come across in the entire crypto ecosystem, uh, which is very, very rare. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, he, he's got everyone's uh, respect out there. Uh, definitely. Um, we are in the meme coin narrative season. So I definitely want to ask you your favorite meme or meme coin. Again, this is not investment advice. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I don't trade meme coins uh, because we're a fundamental <laughs> fund. So everything that we do has to be fundamentals driven. Um, I think <laughs> meme coins, uh, I mean, there's definitely a market for that. Um, uh, but it's not one that we have an edge in. And, uh, and so we just, you know, look at it and try to understand what the phenomenon sort of is saying about the market, but, you know, we don't typically sort of trade in them. I totally understand. But let me ask you, frogs or dogs? <laughs> um, I would say, yeah, I like dogs a little bit better. Because um, <laughs> right. I think there's a bit more fundamentals there, at least with, uh, you know, with Elon's support. Um, but... What do I know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's really a good fundamental, definitely. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, uh, one one last question. What's your favorite book and why? Yeah, my favorite book I would say has to be Liar's Poker. Um, nice. I mean, yeah. it is it is the book that um, you know I started my career sort of reading, right? And I think for for everyone sort of in in you know generation. That was the defining book um, that defined Wall Street culture in the 1980s and all of the excitement that was happening on Wall Street. Um, and to a certain extent, it is not different than what we're experiencing in crypto, right? Um, I think a lot of that sort of uh, excitement uh, that was in that book, Last Poker, I think to a certain extent has been came down significantly in TradFi post-2008, right? But it is well in the life in crypto. And so, yeah, I think that's a great book that I will recommend people to read because it is not just uh, insightful, but very entertaining. Great, Calvin. One question that you want to ask me. What's your favorite NFT or PFP collection? Oof, 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 oof. Good one. Uh, are you an I, ape I, or are you a, <laughs> a bird? Or... Yeah, yeah. I have recently become a bigger fan of of uh, my ladies and 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 uh, pudgy penguins 
I think I think uh, from a risk reward perspective, I I think they have a they have a better chance, and and they could they could probably end up delivering more. Great. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're sort of very deep into the the weeds and uh, SDGN as they come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we all are, ain't we? Uh, but but good, Calvin. Calvin, thank you so much for your time. I know you're very busy, and and it's been great. Uh, we keep on working offline, but but uh, good conversation. I think the last round was really good. Uh, and stay in touch uh, as usual, and and we'll speak soon, sir. Yeah, great. Thanks for inviting me to yeah to the podcast. And as always, guys, remember this is not financial advice by any means. And please do your own research before investing in crypto or any other financial asset. Have a great day.